0: This is a podcast by The Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks. We explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lim, and we've been on a bender recently, trying to get you up to speed with the latest investing trends, tools, and money-making opportunities. We'd like to think of it as our 101 series, and the journey continues with a deep dive into DeFi, or Decentralized Finance, DeFi is a new vision of banking and financial services that's based on peer-to-peer payments through blockchain technology. Kind of sidestepping traditional financial middlemen such as bankers or brokers, trustless banking if you will. In early May 2022, the DeFi ecosystem saw many new developments from an adoption perspective and protocol developments. The European Commission added a new chapter on DeFi showing the growing impact of the nascent ecosystem. And the sector may reach trillion dollar status if liquidity continues to drive growth. Okay, okay, I hear a lot of head scratching. Let's find out if this is really for you and where the opportunities are by speaking to Kenneth Lowe, CEO and co-founder of Seedly. Kenneth, thanks for your time.
1: All right, thanks, Howie. Thanks for having me on the show. So we've got to start
0: with the recent research showing that in the first two quarters of this year, 2022, DeFi protocols have lost some $1.6 to various exploits. Plus now we're seeing all the crypto exchanges not looking too healthy at this point. This does not inspire confidence, I gotta say.
1: Yeah, I think the reality of the situation right now is that it's quite a bloodbath, not just in terms of the exploits, but I think markets as a whole they are not in the, in the rosiest of situations. but Should we maybe not talk at all then? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a very unique situation because, I mean, there's definitely a lot of learnings that we can make in regards to things like the exploits, right? Those are areas that can be improved for sure because the tech is very real. I mean, every other day I interact with DeFi protocols for personal use and really to understand the space. And I think it's so exciting. There's a lot to unpack there. But I think likewise, the market just reacts on a very short-term basis. So if we see things are coming down, it doesn't quite mean that the tech isn't ready. It just means that the sentiment isn't great.
0: Mm. Let's go back to basics, though, and try and figure out what investing in DeFi actually means. Is it, say, just blue-chip companies which are building the infrastructure, the software, or you have to be a crypto investor, of course. We're talking about sort of DeFi versus
1: traditional finance, right? Yeah, so I think the basic premise of DeFi or decentralized finance is loosely a category of financial services and applications that are built on a decentralized public blockchain. But I would say as a whole, you can think of DeFi as an open source finance that is, is truly owned by no one. So you, you are able to interact on things on the blockchain, like Bitcoin was the first decentralized finance in the sense that it's a store of value, so store of value traditionally used to be things like gold, silver, but now you have something like Bitcoin that across the world, you can all agree that of the amount of Bitcoin in the world. So that's basically the premise of decentralized finance.
0: See, it's hard to understand and we're always told if it's difficult to explain, maybe it's best not to go into it, right? Yeah. So how learned, how knowledgeable do you have to be if you want to tread into
1: this area? definitely we are in the nascent early days i believe uh, defi really picked up in 2020 and 2021 so i would say now we are in the third year of defi and it is a very risky endeavor i think that's do- definitely no two ways about that a lot of people have lost a lot in the recent year in particular because you know they just went in because a friend shared with them that this was something that earns you 20% yield the reality is that it's very new and when things are new there's a lot of risk But likewise, if you're interested, you should do the research for sure. How much research would one need? Yeah, so DeFi is really no easy subject because it's again so new. So I think first having a good understanding of what blockchain is and I would say reading the early papers of Bitcoin. So that will give you a very good understanding of why blockchains exist and what they are. Mm. And from there, one of the applications or the very clear use cases is DeFi. So the way I would classify DeFi is a subset of blockchains as a whole because I think right now in the last year and this year, DeFi and NFTs are two big use cases that have been heavily...
0: Okay, so uh, now you've opened that can of worms. Let me then <laughs> ask you, how do we categorize it? So right up top, would we put Web3?
1: Yeah, I would think like Web3 is this new paradigm shift of you know Web2 to Web3 where it's not only re- right but read write and own yeah yeah so web 3 is like the movement then the thing that powers this movement is basically blockchain tech because blockchain tech allows you to have like decentralized everything and then underneath that layer would be like the applications so one of the applications being decentralized finance
0: there are some non-crypto fintechs like say PayPal and wallet providers such as Grab who are still riding on top of traditional payment rails such as Singapore ACH System and Swift despite being much faster and easier to use at the customer-facing end. Is DeFi different then? Would you say how different is it and is it a good different for investors?
1: Uh, it's, it's definitely very different because if you think of it as a scale of zero to one, zero being totally centralised and one being fully decentralised, you can see it as like, it's a black and white. There will always be gray, right? But the examples you brought up with regards to PayPal, with regards to Grab wallets, they are purely like on zero. So it's purely centralized where they own their own servers. They have their own records of how much people hold in your wallets versus another person who has a wallet. There's a different amount. If you look at the other end of it, like the one side of things, right, that's fully decentralized and that's like public ledgers and public blockchains that track how much people own in a, in a wallet that anyone can see. So that's like a huge difference right there.
0: So we've established that it's not for the faint of heart, Mm -hmm. but there are some over 100 DeFi projects in the crypto sector today, finding that ideal projects bound to be challenging, especially for the UB investors who know nothing, right? What to do then, Kenneth?
1: the best way to approach this is really to get educated. Before you do anything, before you invest into anything, really understand what DeFi is about, uh, what blockchains are about, and really understand maybe popular uh, layer one blockchains like Ethereum, like Binance Smart Chain, Avalanche, Solana. Because if you don't understand any of the things that I just talked about, then I think it's too risky to just jump into any of the tokens that are on this uh, layer one blockchain.
0: Oh, okay, bye. I think a lot of people might be feeling like that at this point, which then leads to, why don't I wait until it's more established before I go into it? Or might that be too late? I mean, give me the bullet. How lucrative is investing in DeFi at this point? Because let's wait for it to become more mainstream, less risky, right? I
1: would say as a whole, we are definitely not in the mainstream segment now. There's a lot of FOMO. And I think therein lies the challenge and the dangers of taking too much risk that you don't quite understand. To your point on on should you wait on the sidelines, I feel like if you have a day job and if you want to have peace of mind, then I would say stay on the sidelines. Maybe invest in equities, stocks, bonds, but generally everything has also calmed down. So that's another topic. For DeFi, it's like next level stuff, yeah.
0: Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. So we're recording this in the second week of May, and there are crazy things happening, aren't there? Yeah. We've got the billionaire crypto guys losing billions, in fact. Do you think the market's currently pricing in with regard to DeFi unrealistically? Is yeah. DeFi overpriced, underpriced?
1: What do you think? Maybe I'll sort of zoom out and look at the broader market sentiment. So naturally when we when we look at 2020 going into 2021, with the amount of quantitative easing that has been happening, I think naturally we are all seeing like a reversion to the mean of sorts where you know the market's pulling back valuations are crazy right now. So everything is sort of going back to like the mean of what a normal growth would have been. So that's like broad market sentiment, right? right? And then if you look at crypto as a whole, it's basically following a similar trend and pattern where valuations have come down. And when valuations come down, token prices will naturally also come down because people are definitely less bullish about the future potential and the growth of these platforms.
0: Yeah. So we're talking about DeFi also sort of swapping this decentralization with stability because markets need stability, right, to remain competitive and efficient. What do you think then? Because DeFi, because it wants to be decentralized, stability now is out the window.
1: Mm, so I think when it comes to stability, tokens and most decentralized applications. Are volatile in nature because most of them are sort of intercorrelated, but there is a subsegment called stable coins, which is also quite a controversial kind of topic right now. I think when you break down stable coins, there are largely three different types. Right, you have your fiat backed stable coins, basically like one dollar of let's say a USDC is redeemable for one dollar of USD, so that's fiat backed. You have your commodity backed stable coins that's like backed by gold and silver. So one USD can redeem for X amount of gold. And then you have your algorithmic back stablecoin. So that gets a little bit complicated. But because we are recording this in the middle of May, you have seen how some of these projects have really unwound and are essentially losing a lot of money for a lot of people who have believed in the concept of stablecoins.
0: Okay, so beyond also it being difficult to understand, the barriers to entry for the mass market still remain quite high. What do you think the long-term outlook for DeFi is then? How much of my portfolio maybe should I set aside for this tech? I'm feeling zero maybe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as where things stand. One thing that I do personally, and this is also not financial advice, is that I I keep my crypto portfolio not more than 5 to 10% of my entire portfolio. And the way I do that is really to understand that, you know, if I were to lose everything, like I wouldn't lose sleep over it or I wouldn't have like a lot of negative thoughts.
0: It's got to be an amount that you're willing to lose.
1: Especially, yes, especially for crypto because crypto in itself is again so nascent that not many people can fully, fully buy into it like 100% of your portfolio because it really swings like 30 to 40% on crazy days. And then on normal days, it's like 5 to 10% up and down.
0: So your top concern when it comes to investing in DeFi, Kenneth?
1: Yes, I think the top concern is really whether people understand what they're getting into. So I gave the example of the stablecoin situation that most of it is very FOMO driven. So you have friends who are going in, You have peers, you have a financial blogger that you found on YouTube who is bullish on a certain thing and you just decide to commit yourself to that. I think that is the biggest worry I have because things unwind quite quickly. I'm just afraid people lose sleep. Yeah, it's not great.
0: Just a few weeks ago, it looked like DeFi was on track to becoming a trillion dollar sector. Is that still going to happen, you think, given what's been happening the last few days in the middle of May?
1: I think that's a great question. (laughs) Uh, So while I can't exactly predict the future, what (laughs) I hope... (laughs) <laughs> oh come on dust off that crystal ball oh I have it right here mm. <laughs> I, I feel like sectorially I know that this is going to be something for the future I, I mean for me I have huge conviction I'm a very long term play on this and I feel that this will be the future it's just that the short term within the two years three years time it's really everyone's guess because of things that happen and there's a lot of ripple effects across the whole DeFi industry
0: Wouldn't you say it's the same advice advisors give investors where it's time in the market that would help you eventually? Yeah, so I feel that
1: time in the market, that quote, right, which always people talk about time in market is better than time in the market generally applies for indexes and indexes that have a longer history because again I'm looking at the charts now right DeFi only picked up in 2020 vis-a-vis uh, S&P 500 right I mean it's been around since the 1950s 1940s so it's too early to say whether time in market for DeFi is going to work because it's just two years in two to three years in
0: fair enough Kenda, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Howie. Kenneth Low, CEO and co-founder of Seedly. We've been discussing the viability of investing in DeFi, and that's a wrap for Money Hacks, a podcast series by the Business Times. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. That was a podcast by the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast podcast@sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of, or reliance on, any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.